Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different grape varieties, the different styles of wine, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, we focus on Armagnac and Spanish Brandy, continuing our focus on spirits. Armagnac is um, lesser known than Cognac, its uh, French cousin in the brandy world. Cognac is very near Bordeaux, as I mentioned in the episode on Cognac, and that really helped the trade of Cognac, because it had a ready port to be distributed to places like the Netherlands, the UK, and the USA, where and, and the USA is now Cognac's biggest mar- market by far. Armagnac is lesser known because it's much further inland in southwest France, so it's much more isolated and doesn't have the ready route to the the market that Cognac had. And so it's always been um, in Cognac's shadow. The other big issue with Armagnac is that it was hit hard by phylloxera, and that really devastated production. And by the 1930s, only 5,000 hectolitres of Armagnac were made. Now there are 18,000 hectolitres made. So it has recovered from phylloxera, but it's still quite small in comparison to cognac. Armagnac is very different from cognac. Whereas cognac is dominated by four huge producers, there are no dominant producers in Armagnac. It's mainly small merchant houses. And also Armagnac really um, relies on the sales of older spirits, and that's because of the way Armagnac is made. But XO and vintage uh, account for 40% of all Armagnac sales and uh, 20% is is vintage, so very different from cognac where almost no vintage is made. And this is a big advantage of Armagnac because people do like to see a year on the label like wine. Also a big difference in Armagnac is that more grape varieties are used. There are 10 different varieties permitted and Uniblanc accounts for 55% of uh, plantings, whereas in cognac it's 98%. Then there is Baco, which is a hybrid, and this is one of the few examples in the EU where a hybrid grape variety is actually allowed to be used for the production of quality drink. And this is 32% of plantings, and this is rich and earthy with uh, prune-like characters. Fall Blanche is also used, and as I mentioned in the episode on cognac, this is a difficult grape to grow, which um, wasn't, wasn't planted very much after phylloxera, but there's a little bit more in Armagnac, and this produces quite floral wines. And then there's also Columbard, which is spicy and peppery. So within um, Armagnac, there are different regions, Bas Armagnac, Tenezer, and Haute Armagnac. And Bas Armagnac is the only one of significance, really. It's where most of the plantings are. But here, terroir is not as important as cognac. It's more about the house style. The grapes are handled carefully, of course, with no sulfur dioxide and no must enrichments, and no adding sugar. And all those different varieties are fermented separately according to what the producer wants. And a wine is made of between 8 and 10% alcohol. The distillation is in a unique still called the Alambic Armancé. And this uh, distills that wine to between 52 and 72.4%, and it's typically about 60%. And this will be intensely flavoured, because it just goes through one distillation. So different from cognac, which is a double uh, distillation, here we just have one. And the Alambic Armancé is a single column still, and this is con- consists of the burner, a column, the wine heater, and condenser. And wine flows continuously into the condenser, and then the wine heater. The heated wine passes into the still, and the vapours pass back to the wine heater and condenser, where they're collected as a spirit. And there's a maximum of 17 plates within this single column still. 
and the grape varieties will be distilled separately, though using the same still in the, in the same turn, but just doing them separately. There's no cut for heads or tails, and the key is maintaining a constant temperature at the top plate by adjusting the flow of the wine into the still. Double pot still distillation is also used, but it's the alambic Armense which gives Armagnac its unique quality, because distilling it to 60% in just one go gets those intense flavours, and Armagnac is much more rustic and flavoursome than cognac is. And then, as the um, the, 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 the spirit is uh, matured in oak barrels, the spirit will lose alcohol, and that will uh, bring down the level of alcohol in the spirit, but maintaining those intense flavours. There is also another style of Armagnac called Blanche Armagnac, which is stored for at least three months in inert stainless steel vessels. Though this um, and this will be um, not this will be white coloured. But the main Armagnacs you can see are the ones with age designations. And so a label that says VS means the Armagnac has spent a minimum of two years in cask. VSOP and reserve labels indicate five years. XO and Napoleon are aged for six years, and Ordage means ten years or more. And so, the older the Armagnac, the better and more complex, but also the more expensive it is going to be. And XO, and as I mentioned, XO and Vintage are going to be the best quality Armagnac and what makes Armagnac really distinctive because of that long aging process. And so what does Armagnac taste like? As I mentioned, it's going to be more, it's going to be fuller, more flavoursome than Cognac, especially when you go to the older levels, you'll get aromas of vanilla and toffee, nugget, pepper, roses and chocolate, dried fruit aromas, and it's going to be rich and complex and quite forward and in your face. It's a very complex drink. So that is Armagnac, made in a different way from Cognac, and it's very distinctive individual style. Also of importance, moving across the border into Spain, is Spanish brandy, particularly brandy de Jerez, and this is where sherry is produced. And brandy de Jerez is the only brandy that's defined by Spanish law. Although the, the brandy must be aged in the region of Jerez for production, it's mainly in La Mancha. And so the grape variety mainly used is iron, and 95% of the brandy is made from this grape variety, which is neutral, so those neutral aromas won't interfere with the distillation too much. And it's lower in acidity and higher in alcohol than French brandy grapes, partly because La Mancha is extremely hot, so it produces a slightly different style. Distillation can take place in Jerez, but it's mainly in La Mancha. Both pot and column stills are used, and there are three different classes of spirits which are produced, which gives blenders a lot of options. Hollandaise is 70% ABV, Aguardientes is 80, 86% ABV, and Destilados is 86%. And the column stills are used for this, but the Hollandaise, which is 70% alcohol, so the lowest of the three, can only be used, only be made using the pot still. And the maturation, it must be aged in the region of Jerez using the Solera system. And that system, as in Sherry, is designed to produce an identical product time after time, so it's a very simple but sophisticated way of producing a consistent product. And so spirit of the same type and quality is fed into the Solera, and so a small amount of spirit is taken out of the system each time, and then a little bit of the new spirit will be added into the Solera system, so that it works the same way as sherry. And the barrels used must have been used to age sherry. And so the flavours come from the previous contents rather than the old oak, so it will have that sherry-like quality. And if it's been aged in a Oloroso barrel, it'll have aromas of walnut, plum and figs. In a PX barrel, aromas of raisins. In a Fino barrel, aromas of grilled nuts. 
and so those different styles of sherry will affect the style of brandy. And labeling terms, if it says Solera on the label, it's been aged for at least six months, Solera Reserva at least one year, and Solera Gran Reserva at least three years. And the final product can be a blend of one or more Solera systems. It's not just simply taking it out of one Solera, it could be several Soleras. At least 50% of the blend contains spirit distilled to less than 86%, so it has to have some of the Hollandaise and Agardientes. And the flavour intensity comes from the percentage used of the Hollandaise, and a Grand Reserva may, might, might actually have 100% Hollandaise, that's 70% ABV that's been distilled in a pot still. Uh, some of the less expensive brandies will be sweetened. Moving away from Europe into South America, there's another historic style of brandy called Pisco. And this is made in both Peru and Chile. And there's a big dispute between Peru and Chile about who should be able to use the word Pisco. Peru argues that it has the historic rights to use Pisco, and only Pisco can only be used when it comes from Peru. But Chile argue that they can use it too, and they've never come to an agreement. It does originate from the Spanish Viceroyalty of Peru in the 1500s, but that did cover Peru and Chile as well as Argentina, so although the name Peru would be historically associated with Pisco, it covers a broader area than what Peru is today, which is why Chile claim that they can use Pisco too. The styles of Pisco made in Peru and Chile are quite different from each other. In Peru there are eight different varieties allowed, it, allowed and these are divided into aromatic varieties and non-aromatic varieties. The aromatic variety most likely to be used is Moscatel and the non-aromatic variety most likely to be used is a local grape called Quebranta. And Quebranta is a grape variety which has emerged in Peru which is suited for the coastal desert climate of Peru and it's considered to be native to the area. And this produces um, intense, complex styles of uh, pisco. Sometimes the grape juice is macerated on the skins to enhance the aromas uh, before that fermentation. After the fermentation, the distillation takes place in pot stills, and it's just a 38 to 48% ABV. And so that distillation is taking it to a fairly low level of alcohol compared to what other spirits reach. And then there is a minimum three months aging in inert vessels, and there is no wood aging, and nothing can be added to the spirit, not even water. So this is all about the purity of the, the grape juice being turned into wine and then being turned into a spirit, and that is it. And so these are intense styles of pisco, unadulterated, and very expressive of the grapes. Pisco Puro means single grape variety, and that will be on the label, and that's likely to be either Moscatel or Quebranta. Pisco Mosto Verde is when the fermentation of the grape juice is artificially stopped, so that you have a sweeter um, style of wine that's going to be distilled. And so this is going to be a smoother, sweeter style of spirit. And this is likely to be made using the Quebranta. There is the Pisto Acholado, which is a blend of the different varieties. And this and the style of the acholado all depends on the producer and which styles have been which varieties have been blended together. In Chile, eleven primitive varieties, with Moscatel perhaps being the most important, as the aromatic varieties do dominate. This will also be distilled in pot stills, but to a maximum of seventy-three percent alcohol. They will then be rested for at least 60 days and wood vessels can be used and there's a local wood used called rauli and some will be matured for over a year and then the spirit will be diluted before bottling so water is permitted. So very different from Peruvian pisco with 
a higher alcohol level in the spirit with some aging in wood and also being diluted with water and there'll be different labels uh, different labeling terms corriente or tra tradicional means that the alcohol level is 30% or more especial means 35% or more reservado means 40% or more or more and then finally gran pisco means 43% or more so with those labeling terms the spirit will get more and more intense and fuller so those those are different styles of brandies armagnac in southwest france the Spanish brandy in Brandy de Jerez, and then Pisco in Peru and Chile, and all different styles and different flavour profiles. There is then one other grape-based spirit, which is not a brandy, because it's not made from the grape juice itself, it's made from the leftovers from wine. So this will be the skins, the seeds, and the stems of the grapes, which is called the pomace. And this, in Italy, is called grappa, and in France it's called marc and it's made all around the world but it's Italy and Italy in particular that's most famous so there's quite a bit made in France they don't see it outside the country as much and this really does uh, vary in uh, the quality which can be really inferior or extremely good and also different styles as well so it's made from the pomace the leftover grape skins and there's lots of flavors and the best grappers can be very expressive of the grape particularly aromatic varieties like Muscat and Gewürztraminer and how the the, the, the spirit is made depends whether it's from a white grape or a black grape. If it's the leftovers from a white grape, there is no alcohol in the pomace, but there is some juice and sugar, and so the pomace is diluted with water and the fermentation begins. From a black grape, it does contain alcohol, and, it can, and the pomace can be distilled immediately, but it needs to be fresh and free of any taint. Not all pomace is good enough for distillation. So distillers need to work closely with the local winemakers to make sure pomace is delivered without delay so that distillation can start immediately. And the inferior grappers will not have that quality control, which is why you can have some pretty bad stuff, which can be very uh, painful to drink. The distillation can be done both batch and continuous, and it's distilled to less than 86%. In a batch, batch distillation, it used to be a water bath, but now it's steam injection. And the pomace is loaded onto perforated trays, and the steam passes through the pomace, extracting the volatile aromas. And this is how premium grappers are um, made. Continuous distillation is steam injection as well, but devices move the pomace slowly into, through, and out of the first still, long enough for the volatiles to be extracted by the steam and then the vapors pass into the rectifier and this is how the majority of grappa is made. Most grappa is going to be unaged and expressive of the grape and you may well see the grape variety on the label. Some premium grappas are aged in oak or ash or chestnut and you may even see some flavored grappas although that would be quite unusual. And 20 grams per liter of sugar can be added to give a rounder sweeter mouthfeel. And caramel can also be added if it's been aged longer than 12 months so that will just be for color stabilization rather than adding color because the color will come from the aging. Different labeling terms for grappa vecchia or invecchiata means it's been aged for at least 12 months. Reserva or stravecchia means it's been aged for at least 18 months. If there is one variety on the label, such as Moscato or Gewürztraminer, it must be 85% of that spirit. If there are two varieties on the label together, together they must be 85% as well. So grappa, what does it taste like? It obviously has those grapey aromas, and it will have the 
um, skin aromas as well, so grape skins as well as just those grape aromas, and it'll be quite floral and expressive of the grape if it's that single variety. Um, the quality really does vary in grappa. You can find some really horrific stuff which is really astringent and tastes like turpentine, but the really best stuff will taste like a wine almost with those really rich, heady, floral, grapey aromas, especially if it's made from Moscato or Gewürztraminer. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.